0: Welcome to episode 201 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, and today today we are going to talk about a topic near and dear to my heart, player props. For that, I am joined by two men deep in the projection streets, deep in the spreadsheet, virginity streets, deep in the prop streets, is a legend himself, Michael Leone, and it is the newest member of our team here, Anthony Amico. Start with Leonie. What's going on, buddy?
1: Not too much. Just got back from a golf trip where I tried to soak up some sun so I'd be a little bit less translucent for this version of the podcast. If you're watching the video, uh, I don't know if that worked out, but I put it. I put in my best effort.
0: Yeah, I got no sunscreen. Just, just full blown oh, yellow. Zero sunscreen.
1: No, I'm a sunscreen, dude. I am a sunscreen like five condom sunscreen wearer.
2: <laughs> Amico, good afternoon. How are you, buddy? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, you know, we started football practice at the uh, at the local high school, so I'm soaking up more sun probably than than Michael. I gotta be the most tan spreadsheets guy on the team. That's the goal.
0: Yeah, I, I gotta ask you what, what. So you coach the local high school? You obviously don't have a kid in the high school or then You're just like you like to coach. You volunteer or whatever, or you, they pay you a little bit and you just love football, so you coach them.
2: Yeah, they pay me. I mean, it's the school that I teach at, so it's like a, you know, it's it. like an extra thing. Good times. What what's what
0: position or or what what's your specialty? Receivers, D backs, special teams. We're just we grinding. Does your does your offense throw a lot or in my
2: high school, my their throw rate was like literally two percent at my high school? <laughs> uh well, we just graduated like the best quarterback we've ever had, probably. So we we were throwing a lot last year. This year we'll probably be back to like eighty five percent run for the brand. Wow. Wow. Congrats
0: on the sex with the quarterback. Okay.
2: Anyways. <laughs> On today's show, we're going to talk
0: specifically specifically about season-long props for NFL. Normally, when we talk or we write about props on the site, it is for individual game props in NFL and NBA. And while I think it's similar, there are some differences around the season-long ones in terms of process. So we're going to go over the strat around that. We're going to understand how season-long projections work and how that intersects with props. We'll talk about some important notes for beating this market, and then we'll go over some stuff we've taken and i just want to note that one of our goals here for this season is to place a way 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 bigger more emphasis on props we're gonna have a whole props team for this coming nfl season and, and amico and Leonie are gonna be part of that as well as long with myself and so i'm excited about that stay tuned for more details on that before we get into it want to remind everyone this show is indeed brought to you by our friends at underdog fantasy best way to get ready for dfs season aka the best season is to be in the real money Best ball streets and underdog undoubtedly has the best platform for that. If you're a draft kit or bundle subscriber, you get $10 free on underdog. New players get $35. Head to the best ball tab on the site and go to how to claim your underdog credit for instructions. Okay, season long props. First thing I want to discuss is projections. Leone, why don't you walk the people through our process for season long projections and how it differs from the process
1: for DFS projections? Yeah, it's a little more conservative than DFS projections because we know over the course of an NFL season, like there's going to be a lot of chaos, right? There's going to be injuries, busts, breakouts and whatnot. Whereas for DFS going into a specific week, you know, we feel pretty good that, you know, Julio Jones and AJ Brown are going to see 55% of the team's targets, you know, like just based on what they've done, you know, they're healthy going into the week. We can project that going into this season. We will probably dial that back a little bit. You know, we know that just due to blowouts too, and injuries that some of these other guys are going to get volume. So quite often we actually have like over a hundred percent of the team's market share of targets projected, and then we scale it down. And that's like how we end up conservative. So, uh, if we have 105% targets, then we will scale that down to a hundred percent, so it all nuts out. And the numbers work nicely, and it ends up being a little bit more conservative. Zooming out a bit more, uh, we, oh, I should also note that it's less matchup driven, of course. We don't try to go too crazy. Defense year over year really isn't super stable. So we don't go too crazy with the schedule. The one thing I'll do, and Jack Miller's helped me out with this, uh, some of the books and even some of the good books, they'll have projected spreads for every week of the NFL season. So we can kind of get a sense of what a team's average team total is going to be, what their average game script is going to be based on the spread. So that'll feed into the team play calling the team scoring stuff. So that's important, but we just want to get a sense of like how many plays is the team going to run? How do we divvy that up between pass run? And then when we divide that up between pass run, we start implementing percentage shares based on rush attempts targets pass attempts what have you and then we're doing some sort of efficiency adjustments for players based on you know some off-season work i've done like how much regression we layer in if a guy's had 11 you know yards per catch the last three years like what should it really be and then it kind of all comes together and that's the the long-winded way of how we do our season-long projections and help to pump those into the etr rankings uh It strikes me, Amico, that our
0: weekly rankings are going to be way tighter in range of outcomes than the season-long ones. Like, projecting a full season is so hard because there's going to be so much that happens over the course of a 17-game season. It's really hard to project. As Leone said, in a given week, we can be way, way, way more accurate. Do you agree with that, Amico? And how does that change how you think about props from season-long versus weekly?
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, I mean, if we're thinking about our projection as the median or the most likely outcome, I think it's important to remember that the range of outcomes for most players, uh, maybe quarterbacks would be like the closest to a normal distribution, but even though, even them, you know, most players are going to skew left, you know? So in other words, they're going to tend to the under, it's going to be probably worse than what we project uh, because of injuries, because of, you know, playing time variation, um, and just because of the kinds of players that are being posted, right. I mean, like the, your favorite zero running back candidate is not going to have uh, a player prop. You know, it's going to be all these guys that are presumed to be full starters. So we look at like the available pool of players that we have to bet on the available, uh, you know, information that we have on how these players tend to work out. Uh, the chaos of the season is going to create a lot more under equity over the course of uh, the season.
0: Yeah, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. I, I know there's always a debate, Leone, about projections versus rankings, right? And one reason we don't publish the season-long projections is because people take them as rankings when they shouldn't. There is a lot more nuance that goes into rankings. You can't just take a season-long projection and make that your draft board, I don't think at least, but Leonie, how do you think yeah. about this whole debate between projections versus rankings?
1: Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, sometimes if you're just using like the base case of projections, like you end up you know, a a 1% target share could shift the guy, you know, eight spots in rankings. Like it's because over an entire season, that could be a decent amount of targets. But obviously we're not that accurate enough to know if it should be 24% or 25% for wide receiver A. So uh, you do want to have an open mind and realize like where it's fragile, where it's not. And one of the things that I do is I bake in like an upside scenario for players So some, you know, Russell Gage, for example, for Atlanta, we had him and we have him in his upside scenario, like not that much different than his base case, right? Like he's going to play this slot role. He's going to see a certain amount of targets, you know, even if Ridley goes down, he's not the type of player that can fill a ton of targets. Uh, Whereas you have someone like Antonio Brown for Tampa Bay, if Chris Godwin or Mike Evans goes down. Antonio Brown's targets could skyrocket from what his base case is. So we do want to layer that in and similar for running backs that helps with those running backs that have upside, like a Tony Pollard behind Ezekiel Elliott, you know, it might not be a huge probability he hits his upside case, but he's one of the guys we know if Zeke gets hurt, like it's wheels up for Tony Pollard, it's going to be an absolute boss of a season for him. So layering that in along with the base scenario really helps on the rankings front to get away from drafting the guys that have like these okay projections, but they're not going to really have a meaningful fantasy season. They're not going to be league winners, especially in managed leagues. And then pushing a little bit more towards the guys that have like maybe a little bit worse projection, but if things break, right. They can have like a super meaningful impact on your team's win rate. Yeah. I think
0: that makes sense a lot. I, and along those lines, like, let's think about this. I think all of us, I'm not sure, but I think all of us bet the Derrick Henry under 1,600 and a half yards on DraftKings back on June 17th. But Amico, in our projection, we had Derrick Henry projected for 1,794.2 yards as his projection. I'm almost never during the regular season betting something that is that far over our projection, taking under on something that's far over our projection. I thought it was right on season long for a lot of reasons that we're going to get into but are you following what i'm saying here where it's a bit counterintuitive where we can have a guy projected for more than his total but the under is still a good bet and i know you're i think you're on the derrick henry thing i think you found even a better line than the 1600 but yeah what do you think about that
2: no, i i totally agree i mean that's kind of what what we're trying to do is take advantage of the chaos that can happen over the course of the season i mean we might project some of these players for more yards than the line and still go under just because you know, the number of different things that can happen over the season to impact Derrick Henry's totals, uh, you know, more of those things are going to be negative and more of those things are going to keep him from meeting that number. I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, th- them just not playing a game. You know, like, if they have something clinched up at the end of the year, they they sit out a week, you know, a uh, guy gets hurt, guy comes out for a few series even. I mean, uh, those little things add up over the course of a year. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, Leonie, we're projecting
0: Derrick Henry and all these guys to play in roughly 17 games right and so that's kind of where some of the disconnect is with these props right
1: yeah like i said we're a little bit conservative sometimes with the overall volume uh, in terms of breaking down the, the actual shares but that is in part because we are aggressive on the games played you know we don't do a lot of stuff with you know will fuller injury prone we're gonna right. knock you know we, we try not to do too much there might be some guys that are aging a little bit that we might pull back the target share a little bit more, but we're generally not projecting full games missed unless it's like a known thing, you know, a known injury heading into the season, a known suspension, that type of thing. So that's, so we're generally like a little bit hot, even though we're conservative on the target share, because we're optimistic on the games. It kind of nets out slightly optimistic, in uh, the total range of outcomes I, and i think maybe the market's catching
0: on to this but people still aren't like trying to project injuries is just such a crazy thing when guys come in healthy yeah. to the year i mean that was really the only if will fuller didn't have an injury history last year he legit would have gone in the third round you could have gotten him sixth seventh eighth round ninth round this time last year i mean it was just such a print fest all you had to do is say hey we are not that good at projecting injuries and the data shows that we're not when guys come into the year healthy, okay. Let's get a little bit of process stuff here, Amiko. So, in NFL markets like sides and totals, maybe across, you know, you could have access to 20 books. Maybe you get a half point of Delta. Maybe like one book has three and a half, one book has four, maybe if you're lucky. But in props, I mean, it is absolutely insane how far some books are off from one another. So, in my opinion, if you're serious about this, if you're serious about betting props season long or weekly, and you do not have money on every single site that offers props, you're just not doing it. Right. So Amiko, what is your process for line shopping? This stuff is we'll talk mostly about season long. Now we'll do another podcast closer to season to talk about line shopping for weekly. But for season long, right now, what's the process for looking for the best possible lines and picking off some bad numbers? I know you're in New Jersey, which is probably the best. New Jersey and Colorado, I would say are probably the best right now in terms of number of books available.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's the Mecca right now. Like I, I literally have money on what, one, two, three, four, five, six different sports books. <laughs> like, and I just keep them pulled up all day. Like I just have a Chrome tab. I'm sure that the, the computer degenerates are yelling at their screen, yelling at their phone because they just keep this stuff up all the time. Like I just never close it. And uh, yeah, anytime something comes up, I'm pretty much just refreshing looking uh, comparing the lines when I get the best number. Uh, and we're comparing that to the projections to see, you know, how close we are, uh, if something's even or, or a little under, we're definitely smashing the under. Um, You know, I think pretty much like if we're looking at, I think, and I think Taylor said this in Slack the other day, which is a really good point. Like if you're taking a bunch of bets on the season long side that you think are coin flips, like you're going to come up on the right side of those coin flips more often than not, just because of the way that we're projecting these things, the way they're comparing them, you know, if we're projecting players to play 17 games, like it's, it's very likely that they won't. So for, chopping that across six books and we're finding the best line and we're coming within like five or 10%, you know, under is going to be a really good bet.
0: Yeah. And and so like, there's such wide gap in some of these season long ones. Like there's actual middle opportunities. Like I think like Josh Allen's passing yard prop opened up with like an 800 point spread across uh, 800 yard spread across two different books. I mean, you could easily go for middles if you want, or you can just pick off the higher line and take the under there. I think there's certain books that I look for that may be a little bit softer that uh, typically have further off from market, like Bet MGM and Bet 365 and stuff like that. Uh, have you noticed, go any that are just like, man, we need to check this book first because they're laying some soft numbers?
2: Yeah, always Bet 365, uh, MGM, and Fox have been the three that I think I get the best lines at. I mean, uh, you know, DraftKings. And FanDuel are, are the most widely available, but kind of as a result, they have the best information and they're they're putting out kind of the best lines in most yeah. cases.
0: Well, one thing I would say about DraftKings and FanDuel, um, A, their menu, at least in season, is massive and credit to them for putting it up. And B, like a lot of these books are going to limit you very quickly if you have like any pulse on props, like you're getting limited very quickly. In my experience, like DraftKings and FanDuel have still let Uh, people get 200, 250 and maybe they'll cap it out there, but I know it doesn't sound like a lot, maybe to a lot of people, but for props, like that's not bad. And so credit to DraftKings and FanDuel for having a big menu and also allowing people to bet, you know, reasonable 200, 250. Is that, have you noticed that at all, Amico, as you've been firing at these?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can get more than like $3 down at MGM. So yeah. <laughs> like, uh, the, limit, the limits are definitely way different. I mean, I, I, I think FanDuel is only maybe living with me like once or twice. And I'm right. pretty much betting pretty similarly across everyone. So like you said, uh, shout out to them. Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah. And like I said, like, we're not going to get rich here. But one of the reasons that it's so soft is because they're not allowing people to bet 1000 thousand, five thousand, ten thousand 5000 10000 on these. If you only allow people to bet two or 300 well, you can have this as kind of a marketing thing um and people like it and i like it it's fun okay let's talk some more about this under stuff leone because people hate to hear it people don't like betting unders but man on season-long props i just my god and there's a few reasons why i think for well, it's the, for weeklies for a second i think the median versus mean stuff is a conversation worth having in other words books are so often using seasonal averages for their weekly props but the seasonal average does not take into account that mo alley cox had like one game of 90 yards, but six games of 15 or less. And it also doesn't take into context that maybe when Mo'Ally Cox had that 90-yard game, Jack Doyle was hurt. And to me, that's the main case for unders in weekly. I want to get to the case for underdog and unders in season long in a second, but underdog, unders in weekly, Leonie, I think mean versus median is is the most important thing. Anything else on the weekly is why we lean unders so heavy.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you get to the guys like Travis Kelsey and whatnot that have really high yardage props, their distributions are a little bit more normal uh, meaning the and mean and median are a little bit closer but again it's kind of that 50 50 thing Amico said like if the line's 50 50 there's still like more things that can probably go wrong for Travis Kelsey that aren't being baked into the line whether it's an in-game injury blowout that type of thing and then the players like like Marquez Valdez scantling just sticks out as a guy who, you know, randomly he'll have three for a hundred, but then he will have some games where he catches, you know, one or two short passes and that's it. The guys with the lower yardage props generally have the bigger disparity between their mean and median projection because they'll have, especially guys with like a high a dot, like they'll have, uh, again, if they're taking their seasonal averages for receiving, they have such a high yards per catch. that there's just a lot more variance in that and When they're going over, they might be beating the over by a lot, but they're going under more frequently. Okay. For the purpose of today, though, I want to talk about season long. I mean,
0: my God, think about all the ways a season long can go under. Injuries, (laughs) rest, loss of role. You know, role wasn't what we expected in the first place. A preseason injury, a preseason signing that changes usage. An in-season signing that changes usage. It's just really hard for the books to make these numbers low enough, especially at running back and wide receiver. Uh, um, maybe quarterback because their injury rate is less. Maybe you can make a case there, but for running back, wide receiver, tenant, it's just really hard for the books to make it low enough. Um, I don't know, Leonia. Is there anything I'm missing there? Uh, it just seems like it's, I'm like in pain to take it over on these season-long props.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know a T.Y. Hilton's an example of one of the first bet season-long prop bets. I think that we listed all off-season and. I forgot the exact number. I think it was his catches was in the 64 and a a half catches. Yeah. I mean, our stuff's a little conservative and we have him like barely at 50 catches, but that's just an example of a bat where he can play 17 games and not hit it. Right. We can make a decent argument for him, not hitting it for being a coin flip, maybe even being slightly on our side, but even let's say it's 50, 50 over 17 games, the things that can go wrong, uh, you know, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman are there. It's a new quarterback. It's a run-heavy offense. It's very spread out target shares in this offense. And you can tell yourself a lot of ways that this goes wrong for T.Y. Hilton before even factoring in a bit more of the age model and injury stuff. And and that's just why we really like unders because we feel pretty confident we're not getting a bad line, right? Like it's, and the overs, you have to be a bit more careful where it's a little easier to fall into a trap, so to speak, because these hidden like unseen edges generally push things under there's less of them that push things over we do want to be aware of you know younger players that could break out and see bigger roles and where we're susceptible there but uh, hilton's a great example of you know an aging player in, in an you know, kind of an uncertain spot where all the things that seem like they could break differently than you're expecting most of them would break negatively and not positively
0: yeah, and just like specifically on T.Y., I think they're going to play a pretty heavy rotation again at wide receiver. It would surprise me if T.Y. Hilton was playing like 95% of the snaps. Other one that we took, uh, Miko, was the Kadarius Tony under 535 yards. I think that was on Fox Bet at minus 110. Obviously, Kadarius Tony enters the year with a very uncertain role. We did take an over, though, and I want to touch on this for a second because I just got done with this rant about how I, it pains me to take overs, but I did take one. I think you took it too, Amico. It was Rondale Moore over 500 and a half receiving yards. And God, I, I as I was like taking it, I was like, God, this is so bad. But I think Rondale Moore is going to play the Larry Fitzgerald role, which yielded five and a half targets per game last year, except Rondale Moore is actually going to be productive for him. Like in the horizontal raid, throw it horizontally to Rondale Moore, let him do stuff after the catch. I think he's going to be really effective. I think he's going to be more effective. Christian Kirk but again we are projecting a role here that said 500 and a half is very low for a player in this offense Kadarius Tony 535 and a half he could be the number four wide receiver maybe number five option in the pass game behind Evan Ingram as well so that's my case for the over I'm embarrassed to say that I took an over though Amico it's
2: kind of <laughs> humiliating uh do you want to talk specifically about the Rondale Moore bet yeah I mean I think that in general with these younger players and a lot of times the rookies like the books are just not factoring in the context like they're not grinding the you know the athletic and the news to to figure out like what these guys roles are they're just looking at you know historical averages for rookie receivers you know maybe based on draft round but like that's it so that's why you get guys like Tony and Moore who have you know basically the same receiving prop despite having like vastly vastly different roles i mean more in, in an offense that's going to be as uh, up tempo and pass heavy as Arizona can be. Um, and in the role that we're projecting, like, I mean, he could he could play 10 games and, and get there. Um, so those are situations like I mean to take an over, I know it kills you to do, but it's like the over some of these over situations, it's like if the gap is like 30% or something from, from what we think is is what we're projecting or what we think is reasonable, like that's a situation we take an over, but it definitely has to be. Uh, you know, I, I like to think of it as just like shaving a few games off. Like, you know, this guy plays twelve games. Can he? Get, is he going to get there? And, and if so, you know, and uh, then I'm thinking more of the, of the over.
1: Yeah. Speak and go ahead, Leone. I, I I just want to jump in too. I think and, and Amico kind of hit on this, but some of these books seem like they're making their initial lines off historical stuff. So they're looking at the draft position of Tony and Rondell Moore, and they have similar lines. But when you really look at it, like the type of players they are and the competition in front of them. And Kadarius Tony, you know, his bull case for percentage of targets is almost Rondell Moore's base case for percentage of targets. And again, I when you asked me about season-long projections, your Rondell Moore is a guy that has a pretty big gap between what we have his base projection at, which isn't that much over the over. You know, it's a little scary if you're just looking at that. We got him at 550 receiving yards, but he could see. And that's with a low teens target share, though, in an offense, as Amika said, runs a lot of plays like he can get there with a, a pretty obvious target share that we're expecting there. But then the bull case for him is he sees like 20% of the team's targets like he's a clear number two and they just get him the ball in the short area of the fields so much. And in those bull cases, he's hitting it every time outside of injury.
0: Speaking of overs, we got a question from someone about Clyde edwards helaire This one is up on DraftKings right now, I believe, eight hundred and fifty and a half rushing yards. I wasn't even really tempted to take this one. I like Clyde edwards helaire I'm not sure that his role was secure enough for an over over the course of a 17-game season, though. I don't feel strongly about it, though. It does seem pretty low for someone in the Chiefs' offense. Did you see that one, Amiko? Do you have any thoughts for the people on the CEH over under 80 and a half, 850 and a half rush yards?
2: Yeah, I mean, I honestly I honestly think that line's, like, kind of right. Like, I, I don't see, like, a huge gap between that and, and like, what is a reasonable outcome. I mean, I think the reason that we like a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in, in fantasy is because of what we think the receiving production could be in a good offense, what the touchdown production could be in a good offense. You know, I, I don't know if, like, the Chiefs are going to run the ball enough and, and specifically run the ball with one back um, to get there in, in a bunch of cases and, and then you obviously include a bunch of the injury stuff with running back. I, that That's kind of a pass for me.
0: Yeah uh leone i think likes an over though embarrassing this is humiliating leone ba- <laughs> i think leone likes baker mayfield over 3850 and a half passing yards. and leone's apparently not alone leone must be telling other people because now the over is minus 124 on DraftKings. uh leone this is kind of embarrassing but I, think I, yeah, I don't cool. like
1: this line movement
0: for for the quarterback position though it's clear the injury rates are lower does that make you change anything when you look at the quarterback totals for these season long props.
1: As embarrassing as it is to take an over, I do think this is a case where the lines are just set based on Baker Mayfield's last 3 seasons. Like the line of 3800 yards is basically where he's been at each of his first 3 seasons, and I think there's a lot of reasons we should expect him to exceed those expectations. The first reason, and I've written about this in regards to the Browns as like a sneaky snack, sneaky stack in best ball, is their pass rate over expectation at the end of the season last year, the last handful of games going into the playoffs, was a lot higher than when they were crazy run heavy to start the year, and then they were crazy run heavy in the middle of the year because they played in some insane weather games that even with the bad weather in cleveland are unlikely to repeat so it's a team that runs a lot of plays so if they shift their pass rate from you know mid 50 percent to about 60 percent which still isn't that high i think the attempts are going to be there i think he's got efficiency out second year in this offense with stefanski uh he's you know historically he was like a really good quarterback prospect number one pick overall had an awesome rookie year and then just with like some organizational issues, took a big step back, disappointing second season. So I just think there's outs in a lot of different ways. And even if he just plays healthy 17 games, he's been there each of his first three seasons. Like he would have been over with that 17th game, uh, not by a lot, granted, but so I think it's more than 50-50 he gets there in a healthy season. I think he could miss one or two games and still beat this over. I've got him you know, eclipsing 4,000 yards, maybe more like 4,200 yards this year.
0: Yeah. Do you think Baker is going to have a good season? Do you think that they will pass the ball maybe a little bit more than they did last year? Last two things I want to talk about, uh, Amico, are these running back lines that on first glance look really low. And this is where like, I don't think books are out to trap people, but these are like trappy kind of lines. Joe Mixon, 1,000 and a half rushing yards. Najee Harris, 1,000.5 rushing yards as their total. And people are like, oh my God, Najee Harris is going to get 300, 350 carries. How is he not going to get to 1,000 yards? Oh my God, Joe Mixon is such a great talent. They are featuring him even more this year. How is he not going to go over 1,000 yards? For a lot of the reasons we already talked about is why I'm afraid to take stuff like this, but I can just feel people being like, oh my God, easy, Najee Harris over 1,000, easy, Joe Mixon over 1,000. How do you think about these kind of high usage running back? Spots Because this isn't like the CEH one, like Mixon and Najee Harris, I think, have
2: very, very, very solid roles. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the number one thing you see on Twitter. Like if you just talk to your friends about some of these props, they'll just be like, like Joe Mixon, only 1,100 yards. Like he's going to blow, he's going to blow right by that. And that's a big product of that is people just thinking about these things still uh, assuming health. And, you know, like the books don't give you like an out if, if guys miss games. So, you know, running backs with the injury rates. You know, again, like I, I, it's perfectly fine to just not bet. Like, I, I'd rather no bet, um, a total that I think can go over at running back, you know, than, than to take that over and, and have to stomach the injury and, and the loss and all that stuff. Because, you know, a guy like Harris, let's say, um, you know, he could have really poor efficiency behind a bad offensive line. Uh, his role could be a little bit smaller than we think. Uh, you know, there are some other ways that he can miss without injury. And then obviously you factor that stuff in and you're like, okay, well, this is actually just not a great bet. So I, uh, you know, I think some of those like more trappy lines that look like clear overs at running back. Those are, those are to me, just no bets. They're not bets that I'm looking to take.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, There is a, I want to say limited, but there's a smallish menu of these season long props props up right now. I am going over them when they come out with our props team and posting them. If you have our draft kit, which is just, you have access to everything that I've taken so far and our team thinks is good so far. Um, And I'll continue to post those as more and more get released. I think as we get closer to the season, we'll see a ton, ton more. So if you're interested, go ahead and check that out in the draft kit. I enjoyed this. Hope you guys did as well. Driving across the country tomorrow, me, Jerry, and the open road. Two best friends in the open road for roughly 24 hours of driving so just one podcast this week for you all hope you enjoyed it for producer luke for amico for leone i am adam good luck everybody